Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 78, which begins with Max pulling the grease rat from under the car, and it ends with some acolyte lieutenants leaving a bar. I have a question about that, but obviously for down the road. All in good time, right? All in good time. Because at the onset of this minute, we have the grease rat inhaling as the car is lifted off of his chest and he does not sound good. Oh, there there are things moving around in there. Yeah, you can just tell from the way that he's breathing that something is drastically wrong with him. Yes. Like, I would not be surprised if he has a couple of ribs that at the very least, are cracked. Like, I wouldn't say full-on broken. Yeah, cracked. Yeah, I would say at least cracked. I'm expecting fractures. Yes. For sure. And just the whole time that he's breathing, it's just, it sounds ragged in every sense of the word. Yes. Just belabored. Just, oh, unsavory. Yep. For sure. But he's now willing to talk. Oh, absolutely. So he catches a breath, and then Max, in this instance grabs the grease rat by the leg and pulls him back out from underneath the car. Yes. And I think him pulling the grease rat out by the leg in this instance is why I thought he had pulled him out by the leg yesterday. Agreed. You know, it's one of those um, things where you don't quite remember a situation correctly. I think it's the, is it the Mandela effect or the Mandela effect? Mandela. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the, it's named after... Nelson Mandela? Yes. Okay. Because in the in the 90s, I believe, when he was still incarcerated, people swear up and down that they remember that he passed and they remember seeing his funeral on TV. Oh, that's like, where it come from. Yeah, like large groups of people remember this and it didn't happen. Huh. It's just a like a shared false memory. And yeah. I read an article once that listed like 10 different examples of this and they're crazy. Like half of them I was like, yeah. That's true. And it's not true. I don't remember what they are. But if you want to go down a really freaky rabbit hole, search the Mandela effect. All right. So a couple of... Yeah, there were some about like song lyrics being incorrect. Mm -hmm. Um, So a good example is, for one reason, the way to spell Oscar Mayer. Oh, uh, yes. The baloney company. It's... um, Everybody thinks that it's O-S-C-A-R-M-E-Y-E-R, but it's actually O-S-C-A-R-M-A-Y-E-R. Yes, and everybody spells it wrong, even though you sing it correctly. Yeah, hold on. Okay, yeah, I said that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> see, it makes you, like, question everything. Let's see. Uh, another example, everybody thinks that the show Sex and the City is actually Sex in the City. Right. Which I never watched Sex and the City to begin with, so I, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's interesting because not all of them affect everybody, but when you hit on one that affects you, it's like mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're reading the same list I read. I say another one where people think that the Monopoly man has a monocle, but he doesn't. Yep. Let's see. Wait a second. <laughs> Curious George never had a tail? 
That's crazy. Yeah. I thought he was a monkey. Was he actually a chimpanzee? Um, oh. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, see, it's a it's yeah. a mind-blowing rabbit hole. Yeah, I think another one... To go down. Another one is definitely Darth Vader doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. He says, no, I am your father. There's another one where people remember C-3PO being entirely gold, but he always has the silver leg. Yep. So. Yeah. Shared false memories. Crazy. Oh, this one's fun. People remember a Sinbad Genie movie from the 90s, but there isn't one. That one got me. That one absolutely got me. I, if you would ask me if there was a Sinbad Genie movie from the 90s, I would have said absolutely yes. <laughs> oh, all right. That's enough of that hole. <laughs> so anyway, Max has pulled the grease rat from underneath the car. And the poor guy, poor greasy, gross slime ball of a character, he's like, holding on to his ribs as he makes these awful coughing noises and this is definitely where i get the sense that something is cracked yes like, yeah he's like holding on to his torso like trying to keep it still mm-hmm. because it's an extreme pain yeah and, of and course, just just breathing you know expands your rib cage when you breathe so breathing is going to be painful yeah and on top of that he's also coughing yes so I mean, I've gotten to the point sometimes where I cough so much that I get headaches and I can't even imagine having cracked or fractured ribs and then getting into a coughing fit like he's in now. Right. It's no wonder that he starts being so cooperative. Right. When Max grabs him by his collar and kind of pulls him up. Yep. Gets real close right in his face. Yeah. He's full on bad cop at this point. Yes. It's like in the Lego movie. His head is spun around. His head has spun around. From the nice cop to the the bad cop. But it's Mel Gibson, not Liam Neeson. But before we get into the interrogation so much, (laughs) when Max picks up the grease rat, there is a rack of tires that you can see behind (laughs) them. And I got to wonder if that's, you know, if any of that is the nice set of lops that uh, the grease rat mentioned back in minute 57. But I very much doubt at this point that he would sell those tires to Max for next to nothing. Well, for one, Max doesn't need them because he's driving a different car now. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I saw the piles of tires, I thought, I wondered if the tire that Max abandoned is in that stack. I feel like it should be. I feel like Max pretty much gave up ownership of that tire. He forfeited ownership of that tire. When he left it behind. Yep. If anything, I feel like the tire is definitely like payment for time taken. Yeah. Because as much as I don't like the grease rat, like he is still a professional worker and his time is worth something. Yes. And And he he has the right to be paid for time spent. Yeah. It's just in this instance, he would be compensated with With, a flat tire. Yeah. (laughs) It's not ideal. I mean, it's certainly no. not something you hence, want writing down in your balance hence, book, but... Right, hence the asshole. Right. From last minute. <laughs> so, getting back to the interrogation, Max doing his bad cop routine. He gets right up in Grease Rat's face and he says, I'll say the names and you say yes or no. And he starts off with Knight Rider. And I thought it was interesting that he started with Knight Rider because Knight Rider hasn't been like a thing. For a very long time. For a long, long for time. like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It. I think it's a good thing because it keeps tying in. We had that whole opening sequence, which wasn't just a random action sequence to open up a good movie. Right. It was an important part of the plot. 
And we keep referencing back to it because we're still talking about the Knight Rider. Yeah, because we got Knight Rider in the opening chase. We got Knight Rider when his body was picked up. Knight Rider when Johnny was taken in. We keep hearkening back to this character. Yes. You know, reminding us yet everything in this movie has been relevant to this storyline of Toe Cutter's gang versus the police. Yes. For sure. So Max says Knight Rider. Grease Rat shakes his head. Yes. Toe Cutter. Yes. Bubba Zanetti. Yes. He is being very straightforward and not giving any resistance to Max this yes. time around. It's like, Max is playing it right. He Max realizes that he has hurt him, and that and that the grease rat is very vulnerable right now. But he's also in a lot of pain, mm-hmm. so he's making the questions really easy to answer. Yeah, he's not asking for a diatribe or anything like that. Yep, not a written essay. Yeah, if he were to ask open-ended questions. Grease Rat wouldn't be able to answer. So simple questions, yes or no, is the way to go. Absolutely. It shows a level of skill in interrogating that we have not seen from Max or anybody in the MFP. We haven't seen them interrogate or interview anybody. Yeah. Like do police work (laughs) at all in, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. This so. <laughs> an episode of Law and Order, this is not. Right. <laughs> For sure. Right. So one thing that I find interesting is that Max lists off these three names and then asks, there's more, and the Grease Rat willingly gives up Johnny. Yes. As the fourth name. And I feel like Johnny is recognizable for us, the audience, Yeah, but why would the Grease Rat give up Johnny as being next? Because Johnny is still new. Right. He's low on the totem pole. Very low on the totem pole. But he's also seen a lot at Toe Cutter's side. That's true. Like we said back when they were introduced, Johnny's kind of like Toe Cutter's squire. Right. Or something like that. And as his squire, Johnny may have more interaction with someone that Toe Cutter considers low, like Mm -hmm. the Grease Rat. Yeah, that position carries with it a lot of visibility. Yes. For sure. But I would never consider him next in line behind Bubba. Oh, certainly He's not. bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Hmm. Fresh meat, new fish. Yeah. Think about who would be behind Bubba. I would say either Kundalini or Mudguts. I feel like Mudguts... Especially now. ...is definitely in that line. Yeah. He just... In all the times that we've seen him, yes, he's been erratic and he's been acrobatic and off the wall. But at the same time, like, people follow him. Right. Like, remember when Toe Cutter ran back from the train station and he whistled to the group for them to follow the Chevy? Yes. Mudguts was, yes, perched up on a post, but he was one of the first ones to... Make it to his bike. Call and respond. Yeah. And in a few moments, in this minute particularly... Mudguts is going to be the one that kind of rides out first, mm-hmm. that everyone kind of rides afterwards. So if we had to rank the hierarchy, it was probably, you know, Toe Cutter, Bubba, Mudguts. Would I put Kundalini above or below Mudguts? That's kind of hard to tell. I think, well, now, post Kundalini's hand, definitely yeah. Mudguts. Because we're pretty sure that Kundalini was taken in yeah. by the local authorities yeah, or just so. let out and died, whatever. Right. But it might have been they were kind of on the same level. Right. And then I feel like Diabondo and Starbuck and Clunk were probably were more one step above Johnny. 
Yeah. So you kind of have... Grouped together, kind of. You have Toe Cutter at the top, Bubba below him, Kundalini and Mudguts below them. Yeah. On the same level with the other three below them. Kind of have like a little pyramid thing. Yes. With Johnny in the dirt. Exactly. At the bottom of the pyramid. And then, of course, you've got the other no-named... Yes. ...fight gang members are, you know, below those three. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. So, I mean, even in the grand hierarchy of things, Johnny would be below the no-named biker gang members. Because he's not officially a member of the gang. Which makes you wonder, just saying that, it made me think all of those other followers, like, were they just temporary? Like, were they fully inducted? Like, I feel like only Would the, they have tattoos? Only the inner circle are seen with the tattoo. Well, so maybe, if I could let my nerd flag fly for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Harry Potter. Right. And the Dark Mark. Right. Which occurs to me, I've got this glorious bruise on my arm right where a Dark Mark would be. Yeah, well, you know. I have the Dark Mark. No, there's a pretty big difference between devoting your life to a Dark Lord of Magic and having a terrible phlebotomist. That's true. Although not much. I was pretty mad at him. Anyways. Okay. So the the organization of like the Death Eaters and, and stuff is of course Voldemort. And then he usually picks a favorite. Sometimes it's Lucius Malfoy, but he kind of falls out of favor. Snape kind of takes his place, but Snape was always kind of up there anyways. He doesn't have a formal second. Uh, but then he has his his ring of, uh, yeah, his his inner circle. Literally, they have places in the circle that they stand around him and if somebody is missing then there is a hole left in that circle those are the people who have dark marks who have that physical connection like the tattoo Mm -hmm. that say something about their connection to Voldemort um about their level of devotion what they have been willing to do for him similar to the tattoo so not every death eater no not not every death eater has a dark mark okay Um, And then there is, you know, their acolytes Mm. who just agree with the philosophies of the Death Eaters and do their bidding voluntarily or involuntarily. And they're not any kind of like part time. It's it's you know, it's still an all or nothing kind of thing. They're just not part of the inner circle. They're not trusted lieutenants. Um, So I I, kind of think of the same thing. Mm here yeah yeah i also thought of another analogy about star trek next generation where you have you know the crew as a whole but then you have the senior bridge crew that are you know the the major characters that you know we care about and see storylines about and they're the ones that like really matter yeah (laughs) but there's also lots of other people who dip in and out for like episode or two i just had a thought of how how much of a Kirk that Toe Cutter is and how much of a Spock that Bubba Zanetti is. That Ooh. whole cult of personality, charismatic leader, and then the more stoic, carefully spoken sidekick type of thing. Not to say that Spock I... is necessarily Kirk's sidekick. I don't want to say that right out. But at the same Kinda time... Is. I like that. I like that analogy. A bit I of a like... parallel there. I'm not a huge fan of Kirk. I'm firmly in the Picard mm-hmm. side of things. Um, so I'm perfectly okay with comparing Kirk to Joe Cutter. Yeah. I... <laughs> but you're right about, especially about their charisma. Yeah. Mm. Well, see, now you got me thinking about Next Generation. And I'm definitely not going to say 
that Picard is anywhere related to the Toe Cutter. No. Toe Cutter is... No. You know, there's... I don't... Yeah, I don't think there's really any similarities there. And... Yeah. I mean, Toe Cutter is the kind of guy that is going to use flowery words and fancy language. But at the same time, I don't see him as near as diplomatic or intellectual or anything like that. I feel like the Toe Cutter is very lucky. You know, now that you've put this in my head, every time you talk about the toe cutter, I'm like, yeah, that's Kirk. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. One thing's for sure. Riker is not above a Zanetti type. For certainly not. No. It's interesting that I I can't, I'm not drawing any comparisons with Next Generation at all. No. The characters are just so different. But original series? Yeah. yeah. When we get to Road Warrior and finally meet the Humongous and, or the Lord Humongous, and his first lieutenant, Wes, we should definitely reevaluate. Maybe they might ride up a little bit more in line with Picard and Riker. Who knows? Okay. So. Okay, back to minute. Where the heck were we? We were talking about <laughs> the hierarchy of the gang. That's right. And where Johnny fits in because the grease rat voluntarily gives up the name Johnny the boy. Yes. And from what we hear, that's where the names stop. Right. Because Max hears the name Johnny and says, oh, Johnny the boy? And the Grease Rat says, yeah, some others. And Max doesn't continue to ask for names. He just says, where? Because his main goal in going back to the Grease Rat is to ask for a location. He wants to find these people because he is on the hunt. He is hungry like the wolf and, you know, wants to track these guys down. I would make more references to that song, but the lyrics escape me at the moment. Well, yeah, now that you've said that, all I can think of is Hungry Like the Wolf, okay? <laughs> now I can't think of any other words in that song at all. Yeah. So, Max asks where, and the Grease Rat says, out at the beaches looking for fuel. Okay. That's not what I heard. And I always, whenever I am not sure, I always write a question mark, because I know that you have the script, so I, I don't try that hard. Yeah. I heard they're either at the beach or looking for you. Mm. Which made sense to me that they're that they might be on the hunt for Max. Yeah. Um, but in context, of course, we see in the next minute they're hunting for fuel. Yeah. Uh, Max then asks if they're coming back. Mm-hmm. Because if he can just wait around for them to come back, it'd mm-hmm. be way easier than having to go hunt them down. Okay, you say that, but Grease Rat affirms yes, they they will come back. They got to get their bikes. And then so, Max leaves anyway. And then Max leaves anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and goes out miraculously finds them on the road hunting fuel mm-hmm. when he yeah he could have just stayed there and with his gun and picked off toe cutter and bubba without any confrontation yep of course that's not what he's looking for no he's looking for vengeance he wants to make them suffer right so but i mean he, he gave up a, a fairly easy plan oh certainly yeah uh, just an example of him being blinded by vengeance Yes. And wanting the I agree. the maximum amount of punishment. Yep. So, so as they're finishing up their conversation, the camera pans. Yep. Up and over the car. Up and over the car. We get the slightest little peek. Of Bubba's bike. Of Bubba's bike sitting like kind of in the shed. Yeah. It's like tucked away. Yeah. Like the grease rat's not even working on it. <laughs> Which he like, indicated that you, he was. Are you surprised that he has decided to you know, talk to someone instead of get to work on a project? He was working on a project. Okay. 
when you are beholden in some way to a violent, murdering biker gang, and they leave one of their like prized possessions, their motorcycle with you to work on, why wasn't that his priority? Mm-hmm. Whose car is that that it gets in line before Bubba Zanetti's bike? Mm. That's a very good question. Why? Yeah, I just, I'm very curious about whose car that is that it gets in before Bubba Zanetti's bike. This guy seems very interested in working on things that interest him. As we saw when Max and Jesse were here before, he had no interest in fixing that tire. He wanted to get under the hood of the car. Yep. Because he found that more interesting. Mm. So apparently he finds this car more interesting than Bubba Zanetti's bike. And that is dangerous. Yeah. That could get him killed. You could on the one hand say, oh, well, maybe he's already done. And it's like, no, he's... Yeah, He's we already not done yet. <laughs> we already heard him say, "Oh, maybe, maybe this afternoon." Yeah, I mean, it could be that he's like budgeting his time. Like he's got so many different projects, so many irons in the fire, so to speak. Right. That, like he's budgeted this time to work on the Chevy. This time he'll work on the motorcycle and kind of splits it up by then. Uh, I guess so. Uh, at work, oh, last year sometime, we were, my department, we were we were having trouble getting things completed. Mm-hmm. So we tried, and it was unsuccessful, but my boss tried to say, okay, from this hour to this hour, this is what you work on. And then from this hour to this hour, this is what you work on. To make sure that everything got touched. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that we still weren't completing anything. Oh. Everything got touched a little bit, but nothing got finished. Gotcha. Um, so that would be my objection to that, like, work strategy. And the way I work now is, yes, I still have, like, three or four things throughout the day that need to get worked on. But I work on, I prioritize them, work on one till it's done, next one till it's done. If any priorities come up in between, I stop and do those. Mm-hmm. I prioritize. Yeah. And, that- the, and my priorities have been made very clear to me by my, by my bosses. I could definitely sympathize with the problematic strategy of working on task A a little bit, task B a little bit. Yes. Although I think your job is probably more similar. You have different people wanting things. They don't care about the other people wanting things. They care about their thing. Right. Where I have, you know, one boss and then her boss who all care about the same thing. Yeah. I I do kind of have a Mongol horde at my gates. Yes. So to speak. Yes, absolutely. It's a metaphor. It's not a judgment. (laughs) (laughs) So as we pan up out of the workyard, we fade to the exterior of a building. So this place, which in the movie is described as a bar, is actually the Little River Bed and Breakfast in Little River, Victoria. And it's far more grown in. Like there are more plants nowadays and whatnot. But they're actually glad. located. It's a sad. They're located very close to Little River, which is where the town gets its name. But as I mentioned, it's a bed and breakfast. And you can get rooms there going for round about $100 a night. And their website is littleriverbnb.com.au. They are not paying us, which yeah, I always mention that. After I say things like, oh, here's their website and <laughs> here are their rates. But you know what? Nobody's paying us and that is just fine. <sighs> yeah. Okay, what's it called again? Little. So Little River. River. BNB.com.au. <laughs> so 
What's cool about this place is that back in 2008, the Little River Historical Society threw a little shindig over there at the B&B. It was a 30th anniversary event to commemorate the movie, Mad Max. And they brought in a bunch of replica cars and, you know, had a little commemorative dinner and things like that huh when you when you said replica cars like my first thought was the beat up chevy with the like the flames <laughs> one. Oh, those look the pictures of the interior look really nice yeah so looks like a really comfortable place so this place the reviews on google maps are not flattering but i've found that google maps doesn't always give you the best indication of quality For instance, if you search this place on Google Maps, it will give you a 2.0 out of 5 rating after 3 reviews. And I'm like, ugh, that's not very flattering at all. However... I don't think enough people use Google Maps to review places. Right, so if you go to places with more users, like Hotels.com, Expedia, Orbitz, they will rate this place at... Like a 4.4 out of 5, a 4.6 out of 5, even like the lowest one of the big websites is 4.0 out of 5. That's, that's very good. Yeah. The funniest comment I saw of the reviews was that there's not much to do in Little River, but the bed and breakfast is nice to stay at regardless. Okay. Like, it looks like a nice little place and, you know, they allow pets and there's free Wi-Fi and as far as I know, there's no marauding gangs of bikers or anything like that uh it's part of the ambiance <laughs> right <laughs> so uh my question about this is that how did you know it was a bar because the script said so let's see i believe that i mean that white thing on top is that a sign does it say something i think so there is a big old banner okay yeah i can on see the that, roof yeah that it like says something it's really you can't yeah, it's not exactly easy to see. No. But either the script said it was a bar or something like that. It is a local watering hole that they are okay. leaving. I mean, that makes perfect sense. And I'm glad that I learned that because in my notes, I'm like, they leave the parking lot of this building that they're at that I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, now that you say that, it's kind of obvious. Like, of course, it would be a bar. Like, they're quite jovial coming out of the bar. They seem like they're old selves. Yeah. I, I imagine that they were in there kind of drinking to Kundalini's memory. Like, they've written him off. They just assume that he's dead or locked away somewhere. And yeah, so they're doing I, that thing where they pour one out for the fallen. Yeah, I did not assume that they were thinking about Kundalini at all. I actually wrote in my notes that they don't seem to have spared a thought for Kundalini. And it occurred to me that when Johnny the boy had been arrested, they went Toe Cutter sent Bubba out of his way. Yep. Grudgingly out of his way to go get him. Mm-hmm. And now that it's Kundalini, nothing. Yeah, I don't think... Toe cutter holds disabled people in high esteem, mm, that's which very is true. another dark mark against him because yes. that's very ableist. Yes, I mean it's hard to it's hard to speak against that because it's incredibly hard to ride a motorcycle when you don't have a right hand. Like you'd have to retrofit the entire throttle and front brake scenario. Like you'd have to rewire everything. and yeah. make it work that way. And the grease rat's not doing so good right now. I'm not sure he'd be up to it. No, I mean if anything, Kundalini would have to. Find a false hand, get it fitted, assuming he survived, and then he would have to retrofit the entire front of his bike. He'd probably have to go to, instead of a front brake, he'd probably have to 
rig out some way where he'd have like two brake pedals down by his right foot instead of one. I don't know. I feel like there's a way to make it so that someone with a false hand can ride a motorcycle. Yeah. It's just, it's certainly not easy. Yeah. And it's definitely going to affect his relations with the rest of the gang. Yeah. So they wrote him off. Yeah. So they, Top Gear rules, left a man behind. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Which is pretty rough. At least the Top Gear rules, if someone gets hurt, they make sure they get help first before they leave them. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much here. Nope. So they're all pouring out of this bar and they're doing their thing where they they roll around. Is that Diabondo that does? Oh yeah, Diabondo does an excellent little forward roll and Mudguts jumps up on the banister. Yep, he's swinging around. Swings around, and we talked a little bit about no, you know, we talked a lot of bit about the hierarchy (laughs) of this gang. And as I mentioned earlier, Mudguts is the one that kind of rides out first. Followed by, you know, Clunk and Diabondo and Johnny and all them. Yeah. And Johnny is definitely, like, the last one to leave. Like, he heads up the rear. Which is so oxymoronic of me to say. (laughs) He brings up the rear. Exactly. That's even better. Do you think that Johnny has found new respect with the gang since he killed Goose? Probably. But the circumstances of Goose's death at Johnny's hand is probably... Not as well looked upon as Johnny would prefer, I bet. Although, in this particular group, none of them were there. Right. None of them witnessed the argument and the accidental nature of the actual deed. Yeah. So, maybe they were told a tall tale that made Johnny look better. Who knows? Maybe. Because he seems to be very much part of the group here. Yeah, definitely. More integrated. Yes, So we're going to catch up with them tomorrow as they speed out of this parking lot. We're going to see where they go and what they do. And uh, we're going to have some fun watching that. So keep that in mind. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. Like us on Facebook and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 78. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men are men. Take me to the end of the dream. Hold up tight, so it's your feeling.